Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Noel Kassler podcast, episode 26. I'm back here with my main man, LLJK. Ladies love <laughs> Jimmy Kennedy. How you doing today, Jimmy? I'm doing great, man. I think that's probably the best nickname I've gotten since uh, Jimbo Slice, but uh, I'll, I'll hold on to that one. Thanks, man. That's that's Got a new it. one for the rotation. Yeah, man. Ladies, ladies love Jimmy Kennedy. Um, <laughs> so, hey, man, we're going to kick it off. It's, you know, it's tough times. It's really hot here. That's not the problem, but it's unbearably hot, you know, after a hurricane passed through last week and we got about a foot of rain. So everything's just really hot and sticky as humid as you could imagine, though I'm sure you can imagine it being in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And the world is on fire, you know, figuratively and literally. And we're in tough times. This is not going to be, I'll try to make this episode a little light and humorous, but if you're hearing this now, you know that at least 11 American Marines have been killed in Kabul today. We record, we're recording this on Thursday. Hopefully that number doesn't go up by the time you hear it. But it's awful, you know, and unfortunately, it's all part of the plan. This Afghanistan deal was always designed to blow up in Biden's face, and it's going to blow up now in a way that I hope you're prepared for, because you're not going to hear anything but Biden got Marines killed for the next three years. And that's part of the plan. You know, it's chaos. The strings are being pulled by Putin. Trump has no qualms about this stuff. He had a bunch of sycophant, venal assholes in his administration, like Mike Pompeo, who didn't care because they know that the further authoritarianism of our country only increases their odds of one day holding power. And all the guys around Trump had their eyes on the prize in terms of becoming president too. Nobody more than Mike Pompeo, right? Who had a fundraiser every single night. You know, they called them Madison dinners and he would have these big dinners at the State Department there in Foggy Bottom, you know, and he would make, he would make like State Department employees hand out canopies and stuff on trays, you know? (laughs) He would make them be cater waiters, you know, and he would make them do his dishes and, you know, pick up his dry cleaning and he used state department funds he used funds that exist for something just like the crisis we're now facing there was an emergency fund for state department foreign service officers of which my grandfathers were both one one was nsa and the other was even higher up you know he was former oss cia though we don't talk about that stuff it was called the foreign service you know and he was nixon's personal envoy to vietnam and a bunch of things But those funds are like to get families out in emergencies like this, just like what we're facing now. And Pompeo used them to pay for his dinners, like $65,000 worth to invite his donors to the State Department for a party so he could raise money for his own presidential campaign someday. So my point in that is that there was nobody around who was going to say, hey, we can't do this. You know, we can't hand the next guy a deal that's going to blow up in his face. And that's what happened. They wanted this chaos. They wanted it to get attacked because it was going to do so much damage, not just the physical horrific damage of now these families don't have their kids coming home, not to mention the Afghan refugees who thought they were getting out. And now apparently they're sealing the doors <laughs> and being like, you're not getting into the airport now. Can you imagine, you know, you're sitting there waiting with your children, hoping to escape a country so you don't get slaughtered. And then that happens in front of you. And then you also realize you're kind of going to be stuck now that it's mm-hmm. going to be that much harder to get out. So it's the stuff of nightmares. And, and that's what that was the end game. As I always say, Trump was hired to destroy this country, Jimmy. Putin was like, I need to bring America down. How do I do it? 
okay, well, there's a bunch of angry white guys that are disaffected that are going to fall for this venal con man because I'm going to push all their buttons with racism and with xenophobia and with patriotic MAGA bullshit that they've been tuned to react to through the WWE and the NFL and all this other crap. Yeah, NFL is a good game, but all that shit you see at halftime where they unfurl the big flags and now rise, that's propaganda. You know what I'm saying? It's not saying those people aren't heroes that serve, but it's designed to get a reaction out of you. Just like, you know, a Coca-Cola is designed to give you a sugar rush. It's a saccharine artificial way to make people feel something. And if you can make people in large groups feel something, you can manipulate them very easily. Yeah, I mean, a great example directly from the NFL is when they would support the Susan G. Komen Foundation and they would have every player wear pink gloves and pink accessories, right? That's an easy way to pull people's heartstrings to try to support breast cancer. But when you look at it, that's cause marketing. You know, it causes people to make donations that then get used for private flights and things of that of that nature. So the NFL is well aware of that uh, sort of thing. But yeah, man, uh, to talk about like the evacuation effort, I mean, as far as the good side is concerned, you know, Biden has evacuated as of today, 95,000 people, you know, during a global pandemic. And really, the GOP has no room to talk when Eric Prince is charging $6,500 a seat to try to get these guys out, you know, the people that he wants to try to move from point A to point B. And, you know, Trump had four American soldiers die in Niger, you know, and didn't say anything for 12 days and then called one of the widows a liar, you know, so who's really supporting our military in the time of need? (laughs) Exactly. You know, and, you know, Trump would call these guys losers and suckers who just died. He doesn't care. You know, he used to pretend that he went to uh, Andrews Air Force Base to greet the remains. He did it one time as president and one of the fathers of our fallen service members criticized him and he couldn't take face-to-face criticism, so he never went back. It was one of his campaign lies that he never got called on. He, right. he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle the truth of his actions and the weight of being a commander-in-chief, so he never went back, though he pretended like he cared about our troops. Nobody cared less about our troops. You know, He was deferred five times from Vietnam. He let five other people go in his place who weren't, weren't born rich little snots in Jamaica estates. And God knows what their fates were. You know, think about that. There's dudes who probably died in Vietnam so Trump could rape somebody in the back of daddy's limo in 1973, high on cocaine. You know, he had no qualms and his dad had no qualms. He made a podiatrist write out a fake prescription for bone spurs because he owned the building that the podiatrist had his office in, in Jamaica, Queens, and said, I'm going to raise your rent unless you keep my dumbass son out of the war. And that's not just Trump. A lot of people did. My, my grandfather was Nixon's envoy to Vietnam and none of his sons went to Vietnam. You know, they went to private liberal arts colleges. That's how it worked. I usually don't talk about this, but my grandfather was in a he was in a spy plane in World War II telling people where to drop the bombs over Dresden to create a cyclone of fire. You know, that was during World War II. He put himself to Dartmouth by playing piano in movies and his roommates at Dartmouth were like Chrysler and Nelson Rockefeller. Those were his two roommates. And my grandfather was, wasn't from a wealthy industrialist family and, you know, had to play piano to get through college and then went, you know, was intelligence in the Navy and OSS and then helped form some of our intelligence agencies. 
And then his cover was foreign service. And my family lived all over the world. You know, my grandparents, they were stationed in the Malaysia and then moved up to Vietnam in 63. And my grandfather, my father was sitting on my mom's lap with his brother, his two brothers and his sister in, in 63 when Saigon fell, when President Dien was ousted and the tanks were running down the you know, the runway, the tanks were rolling down the runway. And again, they had to get out. You know, that was the beginning, Jimmy. I don't know how well you know the history. That was sort of the beginning of the modern Vietnam War. You know, so my point is my family was in it. My grandfather, who had done all this stuff, was in Panama. He was in Caracas with Nixon when the limo was attacked. If you ever saw that famous footage, my grandfather was in the back of that limo. And he, he had told Nixon, we can't go through the center of town. You know, we just supported like a junta, you know, a military regime like they hate us, you know, and, and Nixon was arrogant, was like, nope, we're going to take the route from the airport right to our hotel. I'm the American president. Like, I'm going to do it. And of course, they got attacked. It's a very famous thing with all these people surrounded the presidential limo and they're pushing it back and forth and breaking windows and stuff. And my grandfather was like, you son of a bitch. I'm never going to see my kids again because of you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then at this point, Nixon was vice president. You know, this was under Eisenhower in 60 or whatever. So he was attached to Nixon for his whole career. By the end of the Vietnam War, Nixon would only listen to Kissinger, right? And Ki Kissinger started bombing Cambodia. You know, the same Ke Henry Kissinger who had pulled out of a peace deal that was basically struck in Paris with the North and South Vietnamese. And Kissinger said, like, you can't do this. If, you, if, if the war ends peacefully, like, you won't get reelected. Right. So Nixon made that political calculation and Henry Kissinger is a war criminal. Right. But he bombs Cambodia. And my grandfather finally says, like, enough is enough. You know, I've done crazy fucked up stuff for this country my whole career, thinking it was the right thing to do, fighting the Cold War. And now I see it's basically just a scam. You know, Nixon's only listening to this like corrupt Israeli guy who has his ear. Right. So my grandfather moves my family to Western Ireland, just becomes an expatriate and leaves and would only come back at Christmas time. And he would stay in D.C. with other foreign service. Somebody would give him his house and we'd have these big Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners. And this is a guy who had Westmoreland over for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, <laughs> this is not a liberal hippie. This is your old school cold warrior kind of dude who even saw through the truth. I'm getting to a point here. So Kissinger yesterday criticizes Biden's withdrawal from Kabul, right? Hmm. Writes an article in the Atlantic or sends out, I forget exactly how it does. Kissinger's sitting in his like Sutton Place apartment overlooking the East River. You know, that building is so fancy. It has its own restaurant in it just for the people that are part of the co-op board. So He's an asshole and he's a war criminal, but he's also part of that ultra right military industrial complex that wants perpetual war because it pays for the oil companies. You know, the biggest consumer of oil is the military. That's they've used the most. They've put the most carbon monoxide into our atmosphere in this Afghan war, you know, and we're sitting here in like blood curdling temperatures at the end of August. It's insanely hot. It's all tied together is what I'm trying to say. So all these people that are coming out and criticizing it are part of the problem. And, and many of them are not just part of the problem. They're war criminals, you know, and they're, they're sort of they always take it back whenever there's progress. You know, when there's a Jimmy Carter who had gotten the Iranians freed. But the Iranians, the hostages held off until Reagan took office mm -hmm. to make it official because they knew like Reagan was going to be more of a, you know, 
more of what they want when you want to manipulate world affairs. And this time around, it's more dangerous than ever because we've never had like sort of an army, you know, with their boots on the ground of the American you know, homeland, which I hate that fucking term. When they came up with like the homeland thing after 9-11, I was like, what are we Nazis? It's not the homeland. But um, we've never been in more danger because Trump has weaponized, as I say every week, a subset of the American male. These guys that are showing up at school board meetings and showing up at town council meetings and screaming that they don't want to wear masks. These are warriors in their own minds right? But they're committing actual violence. That's an act of violence to disrupt a civic meeting. How many people are going to serve on school boards now knowing like Joe Lunchbox Redneck is going to come spit in your face every Tuesday night when you're supposed to meet on like, do we have the library fundraiser this May or not? You know, and all of a sudden you got some whack job up there telling you that vaccines are part of a Nazi propaganda organization to put your kids in concentration camps. It's insane and it's chaotic but it's by design. And I'm getting to my point here because like often on Twitter, people, you know, I try to point this stuff out and the most common response I get is they're not that smart. No, he couldn't think of, he couldn't think of all that. People love to say that. It makes you feel better to say Trump is really stupid on Twitter. And I'm not saying he's a smart guy, but he's not in charge. Putin is, and Putin's a smart guy. And the guys that work for Putin in the United States, you know, your GOP guys, your Mitch McConnell, all these guys that are doing, your Stephen Miller, these guys are devious. It might make you feel better to say he's not that smart. I wouldn't give him that much credit. It's designed, like Trump knows that. He knows you think he's a fool. People have been underestimating him his whole life. You think he doesn't know his hair looks stupid? He knows it. It's part of his con. He comes out there like Ronald McDonald, like this big, dumb, <laughs> carnival barker. Listen to him behind the scenes. It's not the same guy. He knows what his interests are. Listen to him on that call to the Georgia Secretary of State when he's like, hey, I just need 11,375 votes, one more than I need to switch the election. That's not a fool with dementia. That's a guy who knows what his self-interests are and, and goes about them in a predatory fashion, like a like a shark or something. He's always circling, figuring out what his needs are and he, he'll do anything or eat anything to get it. So my point is it might make you feel better to say he's stupid. It's just like it makes you feel smart to watch that game show. What's the wheel of fortune? You know, right. wow, I figured it out. It says Camry, a green Camry. You know what I mean? Like right. you're not smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's designed to make you feel smart. You just lost a half an hour of your life watching that shit. But a lot of America is about making dumb people feel either superior or smart. It's just like you said about the football thing and everyone's wearing pink socks. Breast cancer, a lot of that cause of it is from the hormones that they put in milk. Right. When you start playing football, what do they say? Better drink your milk. You want to play football this year. You want them strong bones. You know where the lowest cases of breast cancer in the world are up in China, where they don't eat, drink cow's milk. There's a village in the mountains of China where they don't they don't drink another mammal's lactic fluid. It's gross when you think about it. You know what I mean? But like yeah. it's just part of our culture. Oh, we drink milk. It's not good for you because because centralized you know feeding operations and factory farming like pump all kinds of steroids in these things because they're torturing the animals for their whole lives you know how they get milk like they have to take the calf away from the mother as soon as it's born 
So right. it continues to lactate. And then the calf just sits there scared and alone without any parenting. It's cruel. You know, it's torture, but we don't want to think about that. We want to think about Dairy Queen. And we're going to go to Dairy Queen after the football game, get some ice cream. You're going to eat some ice cream at home. You're going to put about 12 cups of it on your cereal that's made out of sugar. And then if you make the NFL in 10 years, we'll put some pink socks on you and a, and a little pink ribbon and we'll, we'll beat cancer. No, we're going to give you cancer and then we're going to make you feel like you're doing something about it while we hide the truth from you. Well, and maybe one day, like Herschel Walker, you'll end up on the uh, the Wheaties box, you know. But, um, you know, another example of um, why Trump wants to take advantage of folks and try to position himself well is Herschel Walker. You know, he just registered to vote last week uh, in Georgia and has lived in Texas since 2011. And he's a former football player. He fits the mold of the GOP, which is the entertainment wing of American politics and He's the cartoon character football player that might actually get to appointed office because he's going to be branded correctly by yeah. that group of people. Yeah, and he lives in Texas. You know, he doesn't even live yeah. in Georgia. I guess he played football in Georgia. You know, I, I met the guy. He was on, uh, did you ever see the picture of the two of us? I haven't seen it, man. Yeah, no. a picture of us backstage. He was on Celebrity Apprentice. That's why Trump likes him. But uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably get the nomination. I don't think he'll he'll beat one of the senators. You know, I don't know if it's Ossoff or Warnock that he's planning on running against. But, you know, I don't uh, hopefully he won't get elected. But yeah, they'll buy it. They'll definitely buy it. And they'll probably think they're woke for voting for him. <laughs> you know, yeah. he wants yeah. to he put a gun to his wife's head once and said he'd blow her brains out. You know, he's a damaged guy. He's, he's not a he's not all there mentally. But hey, that's the GOP. You think Marjorie Taylor Greene is all there? So, uh, yeah, it's just all part of the same stuff. And that's why it gets really discouraging, Jimmy. Like every day on Twitter, I try to point out what DeSantis is doing and Abbott and all these like accounts that only like there's a lot of accounts that'll have like 5,000 followers and 5,000 that they're following. You know, everybody's <laughs> got this hashtag, follow me back. I'm a resistor. And these people love to come after me and be like, don't criticize us. Do something about it. Because I'm always like, hey, Texas, what gives? Why are you letting this happen? And people get very sensitive. It's not our fault. We didn't vote for them. We have voter suppression here. No shit you do, you know, but you're living in the culture that allows this. You can do more about it than I can. I'm in New York. I don't have to tweet about Florida and Texas every day. I'm only doing it to catch the people that might not know the real deal of who these people are. Because you keep sending them to Congress and you keep electing them as your governors. You sent Rick Scott to Congress after he was your governor, after he stole $1.7 billion from Medicare, which is socialism, cut himself a $300 million stock option, a $9 million severance package, and a, three, a $6 million payout you know, in the way of a million dollar bonus every year for five years, and then became your governor and destroyed your environment. You know, mm -hmm. all that red tide and stuff you're seeing in Florida that made your waters uninhabitable all summer, you can lay that right at the feet of Rick Scott. And then Governor DeSantis comes and carries it on, you know, and now he's got EMTs and firemen handing out Regeneron to patients in Florida in their homes. He just signed a law that will allow them to do that so he can get paid. So his buddy who invests in a company up in Terrytown, up in here in Westchester, you know, where I live can make money you know the company that makes it remdesivir or whatever you know like it's all a scam 
it's all a big scam. And, and you try to point it out and join the dialogue. And then you just get lefties with their anonymous Twitter accounts being like, don't criticize us. We're trying. Dang it. You know, they get really mad and you got to stop getting mad. Do I take it personal? Yes. Because people will be like, why don't you do something about it? Well, I left my career. I broke an NDA. I'm doing all this shit on Twitter every day. I'm not really selling you tickets. I have two shows coming up, Jimmy. Everything else is free. I'm not like, donate to my political action committee. If you like what I'm doing, Venmo me some money. Retweet this. I need 5,000 more followers in the next hour. Retweet me. I don't do any of that shit. It's a scam on both sides. Twitter exists for grifters on the left and the right. Don't kid yourself that it's anything other than that. And why I'm on there is to try and point out some truths to people and hopefully they can apply it in their own lives. And I'm not doing this because I think I'm some great sage and I have all this wisdom. It's just some things are obvious to me that I don't see people discussing. And I don't think people realize how much the mainstream media is, you know, it's two hands on the same body. You know what I'm saying? Like Michael Cohn became like a hero on the left. He's a con man. He was a con man who you never would have heard of again if Trump gave him a job in D.C. But he, Trump blew him off and he got pissed and then he got in trouble because he lied to the Senate Intelligence Committee and said Trump didn't have any interactions in Moscow trying to build a hotel in 2016 when in fact he did. And then he lied about paying off a porn star and tried to hide the funds like <laughs> use campaign funds and went to jail for it. And when he was going to jail, he said, what, what play do I have left? Well, you can get a book deal. You know, Macmillan and Sons or whoever will give you a book deal. And then all these talk shows will, will book you because they're owned by the same parent company. And it's only going to make more money. All this stuff happens on Sixth Avenue in a very little area. Fox News is right across the street from Rockefeller Center, man. It's all happening. You know, and that's where all the publishing companies are, too. McGraw Hills right across the street. It's all the same thing. And people will fall for it. You know, they'll be like, why does he deny Trump's on drugs? Because he still lives in Trump Park Avenue. You know what I'm saying? If I still <laughs> lived in one of his buildings and ran into Matthew Calamari in the elevator, I wouldn't be talking about the fact that Trump also ran a huge cocaine dealing operation out of Trump Tower and all of Trump's casinos in the 80s. You know what I mean? Right. They're mobsters and he, he owns taxi medallions. You're not going to be like, yeah, I knew about all this stuff. You're going to be like, <laughs> I got the three things I'm allowed to talk about and like people forget. And I know I've said this before on the show, but like when Trump got elected, Michael Cohn was the guy who flew around to corporations and said, if you want to do business with the Trump administration, you have to hire me as your lawyer. And he did that <laughs> to AT&T, who was trying to do a big merger at the time. And I believe AstraZeneca and these guys paid him millions of dollars. He basically shook them down. And I believe that's probably why Trump didn't take him to D.C., because Trump found out about it and was like, oh, he's making money off my name and not giving me my piece. You know, that's how mobsters are. They find out you've got a side hustle. You get whacked for that kind of stuff. So he essentially got whacked. But, you know, nobody around his orbit is not a con man or not in it for themselves. I won't even go back into CNN, but like it's, it's the same scam, you know, and this scam has worked so well that we're now we're a country divided and a country on fire. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, you know, for a country that calls themselves the United States, you know, from state to state, it, it's kind of like a different country. Florida itself, you know, if it were a foreign nation, we wouldn't allow people into it because of the COVID numbers that we're seeing. And you mentioned Rick Scott and the way that he was able to skim money out of 
you know, socialized medicine. Roller Texas Ranger down in Texas, you know, has gotten three shots, a Regeneron treatment, all on the people's dime. And yet he's the one discouraging vaccines and is sending out executive orders to go against, uh, you know, private business and mandates besides government. So it, it's just chaos. Like they, they are legitimately trying to extend a nightmare for Americans. And it's disappointing. Right. Because it's not an, a nightmare for them. They're making right. money off it. You know, DeSantis doesn't care about like the schools in Florida becoming a disaster. You know, when DeSantis got out of high school and he needed an education, he went to Yale and Harvard and Navy JAG school in Newport, Rhode Island. He didn't go back to Florida. He didn't go to the University of Miami Law School. He went to fucking Harvard. He got the skills he needed. Then he went back to Florida. Well, then he went to Iraq and Guantanamo Bay and probably signed off on the torture, you know, of a bunch of people in the name of democracy, got good at it, became governor of Florida by cheating. People forget that that race wasn't a legit race. He went after the other guy in a messed up way, the guy that they found later in a hotel room smoking meth. He won by like a slim margin of votes, just like Governor Kemp. He won by malfeasance. So these guys cheated to get in. And once they get in, they're like, I'm the boss now and I don't care. So what I say goes, he doesn't care. He's fighting with Disney about vaccinating people, you know, on cruise ships, just insane stuff, but it'll work. And even if he doesn't get reelected, he'll have the Ron DeSantis show on Fox News in 2024, right? I, I say it like a joke, but it's not a joke, Jimmy. These guys don't fall far. Ted Cud or Larry Kudlow has a show on Fox Financial right now. I've known Larry for a long time. He was a crackhead. He was my neighbor who would smoke crack on my block. That's not a joke, Jimmy. You know what I mean? I knew him as a sober guy and then he relapsed and went to DC and got drunk on camera every Sunday morning and told you there was no COVID. It's all good. The economy numbers are great. Slurring his word because he's drinking scotch for fucking breakfast. And he, where does he go when it ends? The most criminal administration in history that killed 600,000 Americans. Where does he go? He gets a multi-million dollar contract at Fox News. So these guys know that. They know that they're not really going to be held accountable. And if they are, it's going to be Benny Thompson, the chairman, I guess, of the January 6th committee. I don't know what the exact title is, but Benny Thompson is the guy who asked for the phone records yesterday of everybody. And that's going to be interesting. That's the first time I felt the glimmer of hope that these guys are screwed. And, and I don't mean screwed like they're all going to go to jail. Trump will never go to jail, but he'll start throwing the other ones. <laughs> open side of the boat you know we're taking on weight we got to get rid of some cargo we got to make yeah. this plane lighter if we're going to land the millennium falcon <laughs> you know <laughs> let's throw out jared and let's throw out don jr you know definitely like somebody somebody like jim jordan will become hamburger meat in the grinder of corruption that is the trump administration how that fool thinks he's not going to be one of the first to go they'll make him the scapegoat well, like you said, uh, he probably threw his phone into the Potomac by now, you know, and Trump's got copies of all this stuff. You don't think he has records that he can hold over them? Trump's got all of the materials and resources he needs to nail all of these guys. And it, they're human shields. We've said it time and time again. He, he puts layers between himself so that it doesn't look like he's the one with the criminality. Yeah. And Ivanka is smarter than all of them. And Ivanka runs the show, as I tell people all the time. And there's a reason Ivanka was down there on January 6th at that rally. 
that's not the kind of thing she would normally go to. And White House aides were even quoted as saying to her, like, what are you doing here? You haven't been to any of the last rallies, you know, leading up to the election. And all of a sudden you're here at this whack fest, you know, on January 6th, where he's going to give a speech a month and a half after he lost, you know, or a month after he lost. And she was there because she knew what was going down. She knew about all the conversations. She knew there was a meeting the night before in Trump Tower, you know, with Tommy Tuberville and, and Roger Stone and Mike Flynn. And she knew they had Mike Flynn's brother in on it at the Pentagon. She knew there was a stand down order. And in the yeah. book that was written about it, Carol Linig, Linig and uh, I forget the other author's name. Bill you know? Brucker? No. Yeah. Philip Brucker. Right. Washington Post. Right. Right. So yeah. they wrote a good, good, good. Good, uh, good retention of, of, of facts there, Jimmy, you get a raise, you go from mm-hmm. zero to zero dollars. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, you know, all of these quotes by her were very strategically inserted into the narrative that they recreated about that day, you know, but the glaring thing is like, what is she doing there? She knows it's bad. And it's not the normal like, well, let me be nowhere near there since it's bad. It's so bad. Let me see what's going down and let me <laughs> see who I can throw under the bus. You know, let me collect all of the data I can so I can then use it against these other people when I have to. And that's why she was there. If you're going to turn state's evidence or you're going to have any kind of bargaining power in a criminal investigation, the more you know and the more you can supply to the prosecutors, the more valuable a witness you become and and the better your chances are for getting off yourself. So she's like, I'm going to be here so they don't pin anything on me. You know, I'm going to see what's going down. And Don Jr. is coked out of his head and, you know, his girlfriend is dancing, doing the Macarena or whatever the hell they were doing, you know, but Don Jr. gave a speech that they played on Maddow last night or, or whatever the Larry, Larry O'Donnell or something where he was like fired up. He was like, now's the time to stand and be counted. You know, are you going to be a hero or a zero? You know, he was gacked out of his mind, but they were fighting words, just like Rudy Giuliani. Like, let's have a revolution by combat or whatever, trial by combat or something. No, this is insane. This is the United States and people bought it. And just like they're buying it now and what they're going to buy now, because Trump, you know, already kind of said, what did he say yesterday? Right. As I said, we're recording this on Thursday, the morning we heard about these tragic deaths of these Marines and, and other innocents in Afghanistan. Right. Yesterday, Trump put out a message and said, Biden's going to get people killed. ISIS is going to come back and attack people because they all knew it was happening. The Russian news agency opened up their morning broadcast this morning with a Chiron that said waiting for deadly attacks at Kabul airport. You know, like they all knew it was coming. And obviously intelligence agencies told everybody it was coming, but they knew something specific was coming and they had the tape rolling and Trump was ready to like gin up the base. Hey, they're going to make it more dangerous. Biden's going to screw up your America. And then what happens today? Right. Right. 11 Marines get killed. Hopefully it's only 11 by the time you hear this, you know, but that will now be. Biden got 11. I'd kill him myself, that son of a bitch, because that's how angry are. You know, there's no more. He's my commander in chief. I'm going to do what he says. The other side wants to kill us, too. You know, you have Americans that want to kill other Americans. Right. That's what spitting in somebody's face is when they're not wearing a mask and you think it's cute. You know, a 50 year old man punched a girl at a Florida high school yesterday because she was wearing a mask. Do you know what I'm saying? These guys are violent. What do you see in these things every day that we see these videos? 
of these white frat bros that are 40 now, you know, the same guys you saw at Woodstock 99 are now 44, you know, and they still dress like Fred Durst, but now they show up at a school board meeting and they're like, me and a bunch of other guys just like me are ready to kick some goddamn ass. And I'm not a bad person, but I'll do it. I'll blow up a Walmart, see if I won't, you know? Like what, you're a terrorist, that's terrorism. You know, you should be like, how do I help my fellow Americans? But they're not. They're weaponized against their own countrymen. And the last time that happened, we had a pretty bloody war on our hands. It was about the middle of the, you know, 1863 or whenever, you know, whenever the Civil War started, like it tore us apart and we're torn apart again. Only the Civil War this time is I'm not wearing a mask. I'm going to Sturgis. I ain't afraid of no Delta, right? And now up 300 something percent in South Dakota. And God knows how many people spread it when they went back to Meth Lab, Oregon after their little (laughs) bike vacation and gave it to their coworkers at the welding shop. Yeah, I I don't, I forget the governor's name, but at least she's allowing private businesses to kind of mandate vaccines. That shows you how crazy DeSantis is. He doesn't even want private businesses to say you should get vaccinated, you know, and it's, it's a crazy parallel because I was about seven years old when 9-11 happened. So I've grown up through the 20 years of being in Afghanistan. The only terror that the war on terror created was for us, you know, for the people that were back in the United States, because look where, where we are, not one inch of progress toward a democratic Afghanistan. We ended up handing it over to the Taliban because of Trump. And now we're in shambles. Imagine if we took the $2 trillion that was invested in war and killing people and instead put it in our education. Maybe then Donald Trump doesn't get elected, but that shows you where our priorities have been. Absolutely. And if we had spent it on the environment, you know, if we'd spent the last 20 years on our infrastructure and on trying to like transfer stuff into green renewable energy, there's so many little things that pe- people don't pay attention to and they don't even want to, you know, like there's ice cream trucks in New York City, right? These soft serve like ice cream trucks that come around like when you're a kid, but they're powered by these diesel engines. These diesel generators operate the refrigerators in the back of these trucks and they kick out like 1970s technology diesel smog and they park them along Fifth Avenue at the entrances to Central Park. You know, I live right by 90th and and 5th and they're there every day. And you can't, like, I ride my bike by and like, I smell a cloud of noxious fumes, right? For one guy, you know, to be selling some artificial flavored ice cream to a bunch of kids, he's poisoning everybody around him. And nobody thinks about those little things, right? You think, well, but somebody owns a hundred of those things, right? And, and I've talked to the guys who drive them. They're like, yeah, it's my owners. I told them to upgrade. They never will. You think of all the fishing trawlers off our coasts every day that are running old diesel engines. Think about it every time you see a tractor trailer going down the highway and it's kicking out that black soot and stuff for 10 miles. Mm-hmm. That stuff's illegal in Europe. You can't do that everywhere. It, you know, in, in what you would consider like progressive modern first world nations. You ain't doing that in Denmark. You ain't doing that in England. They've, they're way past that. They stopped doing that dumb shit 20 years ago. But we still do it. And you don't even have the leadership that's saying, hey, I'm going after that industry because people are like, well, maybe there's 20 votes in Astoria of guys who drive ice cream trucks that I could get in the next city council election or something. So nobody wants to be the guy to say we need a stop top to bottom review of everything we're doing if we're going to save this planet. 
even those cotton bags that came out today, those cotton bags that people use at the grocery store to make, to pay off the carbon dividend that it takes to produce those things, you have to basically use it like 50,000 times, which takes mm -hmm. about 23 years. You know, there's all these little things that we're doing that we think are helping and they're not. You need somebody to say, this is your war. Your war isn't against Afghanistan and terrorism and the Middle East and a bunch of countries that we divided up in the first place to get their oil rights. You need a war against ignorance, a war against industries that are killing this planet faster than we can keep up. That's where you spend your capital, right? But the people that don't want you to do that have a better team than we have, Jimmy. We don't have the team to fight this because we don't see what the real who who the real enemy is and how they operate and that's why i get so mad when people are like why don't you help instead of forget your feelings you know i am doing what i think helps i'm trying to spread the word on this stuff i live in new york i don't have to be talking about texas every day i don't have to tweet about florida i'm not going back to florida you could only pay me to go to florida in the first place i would only go there on tour with bands you know and it would be okay if it was like the spring you know, and after three or four days, I'm like, let's get the hell out of this place. Now you couldn't pay me enough to go there. Joe Rogan's playing there tonight and Saturday night. He's playing a show in Orlando, you know, mm -hmm. in a convention center. What kind of spreader event you think that's going to be? <laughs> Joe Rogan doesn't have enough money. He needs all the fucking tattoo bros in Daytona Beach to come out and laugh at him for an hour and yeah. then take Delta and spread it back to everybody else. Come on, dude. Well, and thankfully, you know, Mike Pence is no longer serving as our VP, but you're right, man. We don't have the team that we need. Mike Pence walked into the Mayo Clinic as the only guy without a mask on, you know, at the beginning of this pandemic. Just from the optics, as his PR guy, I would say, you know, Mike, you're the leader of the task force. You know, maybe just for the optics, you should wear the mask. But no, you know, we again, we, we built the GOP into these superheroes, but they're they're human beings. And so are you. Like, you can't go out during a global pandemic and not expect to get sick and then want a nurse or these first responders to want to take care of you. There's certain rules to society and people are stepping outside of those rules and it's breaking down. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's no hyperbole there. It, there are certain parts of this country that are shutting down because of selfishness. Oh, you haven't seen anything yet, Jimmy. It's the yeah. end of August. Wait till September starts. Wait till the right. second week of September and see how many schools in this country have kids in quarantine. God forbid kids sick or shutting down again. This thing could be over. Instead, we had a little gray area. And it's what I feared in the first time. I said, Trump's going to act like this thing is over a year ago at the beginning of the summer. And then you're going to have this gray zone where some people think they don't have to wear a mask. And that translated into, I don't have to get vaccinated. And now you have whole states you couldn't trust. I wouldn't right. go to Louisiana now. I love Louisiana. New Orleans is probably my favorite city on this, in this country. You can't go to these places anymore. And you won't be able to go to them for years because this stuff isn't going away. You know, these, these viruses mutate. COVID-19 was called 19 because it was the 19th strain of this stuff. That's what it does. It figures out how to get around whatever biological safeguards you put in place. And a vaccine wasn't a cure-all. It was just the first thing we had to begin to defend ourselves. It's like if you're playing hockey and you're the goalie and then like you keep getting pucks in the face and then somebody's like, here, I got a mask with a hole in it with a bunch of holes in it. Put that on your face. 
And next time a puck hits you in the face, you might not die, <laughs> right? You're going to wear that mask. But people with vaccines, like, I'm healthy. Matt Getz, I don't even want to talk about Matt Getz. You know, he just said, like, I'm in Congress and most of the people in Congress are 58 and fat, essentially. He called them obese, you know? It's like, what do you think Florida is? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Florida is old fat people. That's what it should be called. We got your fat people and your wrinkly people, and we all come together down at the, you know, at, at the, at the, you know, at the bridge tournament. It's ridiculous. You know, Florida is old New Yorkers. That's, that's what Florida is. And then all the rednecks that started coming there because they were like, hey, I don't want to pay taxes anymore. Let me go to Florida and build houses for all these rich people that are retiring there. And those kind of people became the ones that gave the power to somebody like DeSantis. Because too many people looked the other way and said, it's not really my fight and I can't talk about this because I play golf with a bunch of guys that are MAGA guys and I don't want to offend them. You know, part of like why we got in this situation because nobody wanted to say anything. Yeah, I went to high school with that guy. He likes Trump, but you know, he still, he comes and he does, works on my boiler, fixes my heating units. I don't want it to be awkward. You know, it's time he comes to work on the house. So you, you keep your mouth shut. And now we're here because those guys were poisoned and turned into these like monsters. And now they're just like backs. Russia did that. That's what Facebook was. Facebook was like, let's all get together. Right. So then you were like, hey, I haven't talked to that person in 20 years. Hey, look, it's my old gym teacher. Now we're friends on Facebook. Isn't that cool? I hadn't thought of that guy in 15 years. Now we're friends. And then five years into it, after, you know, Russia's pumping disinformation at the ones that they know are susceptible to it because they have algorithms. So they're like, oh, who's got Ted Nugent as one of their favorite bands and a screaming eagle meme on their thing? I'm going to give them anti-vax stuff. And it worked. And then that same old gym teacher that you're friends with, you're like, holy shit, this guy's crazy. And now he's a Trump guy. You know, now Trump comes along takes those Russian talking points and this population that's already been primed by Putin and this disinformation, right? And then the guy who owns Trump says, you're going to be president now. And these are the buttons you're going to push. And Jared's going to tell us just where we need to switch a few, a few minds, enough to switch you know, the electoral college in your favor. And we've already set up Hillary to be the greatest villain of all time. And all the GOP guys that we bought have been playing along so we got Benghazi, we got butter emails, we got all this stuff ready to go. We just need you to go in there and fire them up at a rally. And it worked and it worked. And, and now it's so deeply, it's like a fish hook. The fish has been swimming on the line for three hours. And that thing is all the way through his cheek at this point. You ain't taking it back out. You're just going to cut the line at some point. It's uh, as far as the vaccine is concerned, you know, the coronavirus isn't the iPhone, all right? We don't need a new version of it every year. And the only defense that we have against it, like he said, is the vaccine. But what kills me is the vaccine is free, but you have these guys that support Trump. They're so damaged internally that they're more willing to take a horse dewormer because they don't want to be wrong. Like I said, it's disruptive to American society. And it shows how poorly as Americans were able to disseminate information and be able to distinguish what is bullshit and what is genuine. You know, like you should trust Dr. Fauci. He's smarter than most doctors in the world. So let's trust the medical experts and not the Facebook page that you saw from your grandma that was sent by a message. Right. But that's, you know, I had dudes that I knew, you know, in New York that right away were going after Fauci. 
last right. April, guys I had to delete that I was friends with, you know, construction worker kind of guys, New York area guys, you know, Staten Island, Bronx, yeah. guys vacation on Block Island, Montauk guys, you know, and they were like, yeah, Fauci, fuck him, man, fuck Fauci. Like what? You don't know why you're saying that. He went to Regis High School. He's the head of the NIH. You know, the guy spent his life figuring out how to cure incurable diseases, including HIV. You know, there's no cure for it, but there's treatment that keeps people alive. So what makes you, you know, wh whose job it is, is to put like nails into drywall after the other guy holds up the piece of drywall between the two studs in the wall, you know, you who does that for eight hours a day, takes a little Oxycontin, goes home, has a few cold ones, watches Fox News, gets on Facebook, you know, on your way to the job site the next day and says, fuck Fauci. Yeah, where did you get your expertise? You didn't, but you're angry, right? And you have a culture that's been selling you anger since you were a kid, right? We said Woodstock 99, I was there. It was like all these bands that were designed to enrage people. And I walked around, I'm like, what are I wrote songs about this back then. It was like, what are you so angry about? You're white. It's already breaking in your favor. You know, you're already going to do less time if you commit a crime. You're already less likely to get pulled over by a cop. And he's probably going to let you go if, you, if you're drunk, you have beer on your breath, especially if you know another cop and can produce their business card, then you got to get out of jail free card, right? He's certainly not going to pull you out of your car and beat the hell out of you or shoot you in front of your wife and kid as happens to African-Americans all the time. So it's already your world. You're just so angry that it's not all getting handed to you. And there's corporations that understand that you'll buy something that addresses that anger, right? So it starts out in a limp biscuit or a corn or something. You know, these were corporate guys. They were making millions of dollars. This wasn't punk rock. This wasn't hip hop, which was wonderful and came out of nothing, came out of the South Bronx and a, a part of the country that was forgotten about spread all over like wildfire in a good way and gave us South Central, you know, guys that were like Bob Dylan, man, those guys were telling us the truth. NWA, Ice Cube, these guys were talking about stuff that was really going down. They were getting targeted by Rampart, you know, by a corrupt police department was beating the shit out of them and killing them. And they right. wrote about it. And white America was like, whoa, that's too much. Fuck the police. No, I don't think so. Well, they were right. Fuck right. the police. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd say that too if they're beating the shit out of me and killing me, right? But white America was like, no, we'll sell you this at the same time we'll judge it. Do you see where I'm getting at here? Who, yeah. who went to see those concerts? White kids. So corporations were like, well, there's money to be made here. We'll condemn it politically, which will make it even more taboo and appealing to the suburban sons of the CEOs that are selling this stuff at Time Warner. So we'll, we'll make money on the back end. We'll demonize a people and a culture that our whole society is based on demonizing. We'll get them all ginned up on anger for now. And then we'll use it later on when it becomes politically expedient. And that's what happened. Trump was the later on. Trump was the result of decades of manipulation both by corporations, oil companies, and Vladimir Putin, who started buying up politicians in D.C. when the Soviet Union fell. I was sitting in DuPont Circle the day that happened. I was a bike messenger. DuPont Circle's in D.C., Jimmy. But um, anyway, I was sitting there. You know, I saw when the Soviet Union fell. 
after that happened, all the money was consolidated with the oligarchs, right? The people that just owned the company had it all. The richest people in the world are, are these Russian tycoons. I've been to, you know, Monaco and you, Jimmy, you would not believe it. <laughs> you wouldn't believe, you know, a guy in New York bought a $62 million or something penthouse. I, it may even have been more money at five Central Park West for his daughter to use when she visited New York. She wasn't even <laughs> going to college in New York. She's like going to college somewhere in the Northeast but not New York City. Wow. And would, would use that in case she went to New York for the weekend. The large, <laughs> it was the largest real estate transaction in New York City history at that point. It might've been $80 million. I think it was 68.2 million or something ridiculous. But an oligarch who had all this money, he was also trying to hide some of the money from his wife. He was going through a divorce. So a lot of yeah. people do that. That's what Trump did. He put everything in his, his dad, Fred Trump, put everything in his kid's name so he wouldn't have to pay taxes on it. Just like Trump probably put stuff in Tiffany's name. You know, Tiffany got left out of the uh, record last, <laughs> right? They're like all of Trump's adult kids except Tiffany, which is hilarious, okay? Because my job was taking care of the Trump family on The Apprentice, and I didn't even know there was a Tiffany until <laughs> 2016. I was like, oh, there's a Tiffany? So, because she wasn't photogenic. She wasn't, you know, what, what he thought was attractive. And she's trying to become like Ivanka. You can see she got all the hair and trying to do it. But, you know, nobody's going to take the place of Ivanka and Trump's disgusting, predatory heart. Well, and you tweeted this earlier as well, man. Wasn't it Trump all 2016 trying, you know, Russia, if you're listening, try to get the 30,000 emails from Hillary. But now we're trying to get his phone records from January 6th. You know how the tables have turned when it comes to trying to get incriminating information. And now that it's against Trump, they're very resistant. That should tell you a lot, too. It's such a shit show, and it's so corrupt at this point that if you don't see it, I, I, I can't help you. I really can't. You know, right. you're, you're, you're part of Putin's army at that point. Yeah, well, and that's going to be a hard fight. You know, and it was also Trump that got the DOJ to, to subpoena the phone records to spy on reporters' phones. You know, Trump got all the phone records from reporters he didn't like writing about him. <laughs> So like, and, and as I've told this story before, Trump was all about getting compromised. You know, when he gave an apartment to the head of the Teamsters so Trump Tower could be built, he gave an apartment to the mistress of the guy who was in charge of the Teamsters. The Teamsters drive the concrete. There was a concrete strike that summer, 1982 in New York City. It held up construction. If you buy a bunch of concrete, it can't just sit there. It dries, it's concrete, right? So Trump's like, I need this to happen. And they had him, you know, they had him by the balls. So he had to give a penthouse, a couple penthouses. And that's a loose term because like he called the last four floors penthouses, you know, but like he gave a multi-unit apartment to the Teamsters girlfriend who had no visible means of income at the time. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden she gets a, you know, $10 million condo or whatever in Trump Tower. It wasn't $10 million, but whatever. It was a lot of money. And when she moves in, she gets a knock at the door one day and it's a couple of Trump guys. And they're like, hey, we're here to put the phone system in. And she's like, what? And they're like, we're here to wire your apartment for phones. You want phones, right? So she goes, well, just wait here a minute. You know, and she goes and calls her boyfriend who's, a, you know, works for Fat Tony Salerno, you know, works for mobsters, right? That built right. the building and says, hey, Trump guys are here. They want to put phone lines in the apartment. What should I tell them? And the guy's like, tell them, no, get the hell out of there. AT&T is going to put the phones in, you know, Ma Bell. But that was Trump. You know, he's always playing both sides of the deal. He was trying to spy on his mob 
connections, right? Because they know he's a snake and he's a snake. So my point in that is all these guys with these phone records are going to be in trouble because Trump's got it all. Anything you said to him, Tommy Tuberville, I guarantee you there's an audio recording of. Anybody who went to Trump's private suite and Trump's hotel and thought you were getting away with all the stuff you did, there's records and cameras of it. And as I said earlier, that's what Matt Getz's scam was all about, how he was showing people the pictures of the underage girls on his cell phone on the floor of Congress. And he was like, hey, check this out. Look what I hooked up with last night. He was looking for guys that were going to go, damn, that's hot, man. I want some of that. And then he'd be like, well, I can hook you up, dude. You know, meet me at Trump's hotel on Friday. Let's have some steaks and some shrimp cocktail, you know, and then because that's what Trump would do. He would find out somebody he wanted to do business with. This isn't a joke. I'm telling you, Jimmy. He'd invite him to the audience office and he'd be like, what do you like? Asian girls? You like blondes? I got them all upstairs. It's on me. Go up there and have your fill. And he would record this. And sometimes he would do it to guys that he wanted to sleep with their wives. So he did this to one dude. And then he invited the dude's wife the next day and played her the tape, thinking that the wife would then sleep with him out of revenge. That's that's a true story, Jimmy. That's how twisted this guy is, you know. So and that was 20, 30 years ago. So imagine now what he was doing as president of the United States with all those capabilities and technology. When Jared Kushner could go to the NSC, National Security Council, and say, hey, can you send a guy in there to wire up these hotel rooms? We just want to keep an eye on these, you know, because all of the business associates, you know, the foreign entities that did business with Trump would have to rent a room in Trump's hotel. People forget, but that was an original part of the the scam. Like, oh, Gutter just rented $50,000 worth of hotel rooms because one of their guys is going to have a meeting at the White House next Tuesday or something, you know, so they would, it was like paying a tithe or whatever you call it, you know, they were giving a tip to the mob boss, like to do business, you got to show some respect. You put a little clams in Fat Tony's hand. So my point is Trump benefits from that financially, right? But it was also to make sure those guys would stay in these rooms that, that they could then bug. And, and these guys know the rooms are bugged. It's not like these are Pollyanna-ish dudes. You know, <laughs> at this point, everybody knows who Trump is, who's honest about it. You know, he was a criminal. He was a mobster who became president of the United States, plain and simple, faced no consequences, killed over 600,000 people, left a booby trap diplomatic nightmare for the guy who's coming next. And, and we're paying the price for that now. And we're only beginning to see the propaganda that's going to be thrown at these people. You're not going to hear about anything on Fox News for the next three years, but these Marines that were killed today. I promise you that. Well, and it plays right into uh, Rupert Murdoch, you know, an Australian who hates America that wants to try to use anything he can to leverage it against Biden. And, you know, uh, Noel, I, I, I'm sure you've seen it. Remember the Titans, one of my favorite movies from Disney. I watched it again. And the, the images were projected like in 1960, you know, when the schools were being integrated and the civil rights movement was going on. It looks the exact same now, except you have a pandemic also going on and global warming on top of that. It's really disappointing that when my dad was 10 or 11 years old, there, were, there really hasn't been too much progress when it comes to civil rights and just being a decent human being. Well, yeah, there's not only not been progress, it's more it's more. It's more more militarized. Well, well. you didn't have cell phones back then. You didn't have social media. You couldn't bring all the guys together 
that were into this bad stuff and have them meet up in chat rooms and make up little patches and dress up in cosplay shit and go out in the woods and train with assault rifles back then, right? Back then, a gun was like a six shooter and a shotgun and a rifle. You didn't even have AR-15s. They hadn't been invented yet. They were invented in the Vietnam War to cut through jungle and still kill somebody. That was the point of those munitions because it was thick foliage and you couldn't see the enemy. So they're like, we need a gun that could just knock out all the foliage and still be powerful enough to kill the person I'm trying to kill. And now the NRA is selling you those things and people think it's their right to be able to have one. Mm. You know, and people walk into malls and classrooms and everywhere and concerts and, and, and open fire on their fellow citizens with weapons of war. You didn't have that. You didn't have a president racistly calling people by racist derogatory terms as Trump did to Asian Americans at the outset of the COVID crisis, right? Malcolm Nance is one of the smartest guys I know in foreign affairs. You know, somebody called him the N-word on, on Twitter. Lots of people did this mm -hmm. morning. You N-word, you know, that you didn't have that before. You didn't have, I'm not saying you didn't have racism. You certainly did. And they would lynch people, but people got lynched last year too. And it never got investigated, right? There was all these mysterious hangings of young black men across the country. Nobody wanted mm -hmm. to pick up that story, but it happened. And it was suspicious every time, right? So it's more out in the open now and it can be spread and seen as appealing to these people on social media. Back then you had an opposition to it. You had Dr. King. You had Malcolm X, you had the Black Panthers, and, and, and you were warned as a white American, like, they're bad. They were feeding kids lunch. You know, they were good. I knew Afeni Shakur, who was a Black Panther. She was Tupac's mom. You know, I got to meet her. She was brilliant. But you were demonized against it. And if you did hear about it, you know, and Troubles in the South, you heard about it in a Bob Dylan song. You heard about it in a Pete Seeger song. You heard about it in progressive ways where most of America was like, this is wrong. Let's get on buses and go down to Oxford, Mississippi and try to help out if we can. Progressive Jewish people in America had a big role in that. My mom and grandma marched with Dr. King in D.C. You had the March on Washington. You had nonviolent opposition to this you know you had the the Berrigans, you know opposing the vietnam war you know have you ever heard the radical priests in the paul simon song that's who he's talking about philip and daniel Berrigan, catholics that were against violence and that were living to honor the teachings of their religion and now religion has been weaponized right how many times do you see god proud christian love maga guns first 2a as somebody's like twitter bio thing right <laughs> you know right away like oh i'm never gonna reason with this person this person's got a house full of guns thinks they're a christian as they sit down and eat their pork chop that was raised you know that, <laughs> that's an animal that was tortured you know in some factory farm in north carolina where you can't breathe within five miles of the place because it feels smells like pig shit and you <laughs> gave this horrible existence to this living creature that now you're now stuffing down your throat right with your closet full of guns watching fox news and some fat old drug addict in a diaper tell you that biden's a bad guy and that kamala one's got a funny name kamala however you say it you didn't have that you didn't have so many people feeling so good about being racist as you did as you do now jimmy that's the danger we've gone backwards when we should have gone forward and we're we're stuck now you know now we're stuck in this place that it's going to be very hard to get out of because the anger is going to consume everyone and it's designed to do that. And it consumes me. I get resentful. I get pissed off. I want to be working on my jokes. I got a show coming up. I don't want to yeah. be on freaking Twitter all day.
you know, but it's hard to look away if you care, because if you can see the big picture, there is nothing good on the other side of this until we really get serious about it. You know, and not to say we're not serious about it, but until we figure out what the solution is. And I don't know what that is. We're not at the point of this war where we see how we can win it yet. We just got to recognize the battles for what they are and get the best people we can together to fight them. And I mean that metaphorically, because you're only going to beat this with peace, with nonviolent stuff. You can't match violence with more violence. It doesn't work. It's the curse of the house of the Atreus. It only gets more violence. Violence begets violence. So you have to educate and raise the frequencies of many Americans. You have to somehow get them out of this, you know, and I'm the first wave of this stuff. Like I'm just a comedian. So I'm just talking in coarse language, saying what you might be thinking as concisely as I can say it to wake up a few people, to let those people I went to high school with know that are racist now, that it's not okay with me. It's not okay that you voted for Trump. You screwed up this country in a way that my kids' kids, if I ever have them, are going to be paying for. And you're continuing to feed nonsense to your children and the people around you because you still think it's Biden's fault and not Trump's. You know what I mean? You've been poisoned. It's contempt without investigation. That's what they were selling people. And you can finish and plug something, and then we're going to get out of here in a minute. Let me just say one ongoing battle that we're facing is COVID as somebody that dealt with a father who had esophagus cancer and needed an ICU bed, I implore people to get vaccinated. We have people that aren't dealing with COVID that have a medical emergency that have something happen to them where they need medical services to be there. Think about other people for God's sake, get vaccinated. It's available. Get a ride from somebody. It's bigger than you get, get vaccinated today. Yeah, definitely get vaccinated. And that's one of the, you know, that's the, the casualties of war are the people that can't, that are going to have a stroke in one of these red state states that don't have ICU beds, yeah. you know, that are going to get a diagnosis for cancer and need surgery this week, not a month yeah. from now when the ICU, you know, when, when the operating rooms are open again, you know, you're killing people. That's why I say it's a war. It's designed to do this, Jimmy. You know, and if you're not in a place that has a handle on it, I'm in New York City. You get something bad happens, you're going to be able to get into a hospital here and they're going to be the best in the world. I don't think that plays out the same way in South Dakota, right? And you're not probably going to go to the hospital because you're already seeing that they're all full and everything. So you're like, well, I'll get this looked at next week, right? right. And then next week never comes, you know, or next week comes and it's too late. That's what's happening. It's what's designed to happen. I do, man. It's right. it's unfortunate that society has gotten to this point, but we can fix it. Raise the vibration, folks. We can. So yeah, there you go. And speaking of a guy who raised vibrations, Charlie Watts died this week. You know yes. who Charlie Watts was, Jimmy? Drummer of the Rolling Stones. Saw it on Twitter, right? <laughs> you saw it. You didn't that know. Was, unfortunately, I didn't know that was the name of the drummer, but I know the Rolling Stones, of course. So, okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you, you more dead. of a more of a Mick Jagger guy. You know, I, I know the front man. The, oh. the okay, playing drums. Right on. <laughs> well, I'm more of a Charlie Watts guy, and I worked for the Rolling Stones, so I worked on the Gur tour, and I did a bunch of. Well, we it wasn't a bunch. We did a few shows on the East Coast, and we did the twelve twelve benefit, which was a big Sandy benefit at Madison Square Garden. And one of their longtime tour managers also happens to tour manage Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Who I, who I worked with very extensively. And so when the Stones were doing this leg of the tour on the East Coast, they said, we're going to have some special guests. 
and we need some people to come in and handle it. So a guy named Ken Ehrlich was filming it, big TV producer, did the Grammys and stuff. So it was like a pay-per-view kind of thing. And we had Lady Gaga and Springsteen and all these people sit in, John Mayer, people that you would like, even the young folks, you know? And, uh, and so it was this gig I had and you had to get sort of approved by their management. So I got approved because because this guy I know, I'll, I'll keep him out of the show, but he still works for them. So he was like, yeah, no, it's cool. You know, and uh, we had a couple guys from the CSN crew on that Stones tour and actually three or four. Now that I think about it, same kind of world. Well, the Stones are the big boys. You know, <laughs> this is a bigger level than CSN that now, you know, they were big arena tour in 74, but we were playing theaters and these guys are playing, you know, anywhere they want the Rolling Stones. But when I get there to this one particular show in Newark, and I believe Lady Gaga was opening that night, they're like, no, they want to see you in the tour manager's office. And I was like, oh man, like, what did I do? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, why am I getting called to the office? Because I, you know, we had a big chorus that was singing. I had to deal with all this chorus and everything. So I go in the office and they say, hey, we're told you're just the guy to do this. You're going to help out such and such here, works with a publicity team. And there was this like pretty English girl who was one of their publicists. And she's like, yeah, we're doing a Twitter campaign and we need you to dress up in this costume. So it was a gorilla costume because the theme for the tour was like Greg the Gorilla, Gregory the Gorilla, I think he was called. And they wanted people to follow their Twitter account. So they were giving away like ticket upgrades. So they're like, hey, if you see Gregory the Gorilla, say this word and tweet it at Rolling Stones, you know, Twitter, and we'll we'll upgrade your tickets, right? So I was Gregory the Gorilla with a handful of these ticket upgrades. And I'm around the bowl of Newark arena where that the the Jersey devils play. And uh, I'm walking around this arena and nobody's tweeting because like everybody there has spent five to $700 on the tickets anyway. And they're all Uh like, you know, middle-aged people in like Von Dutch t-shirts and like (laughs) the $300 jeans that you buy in Vegas. You ever go to Uh Vegas and they have these clothing boutiques. It'll be like, it's all like bedazzled stuff and it'll be like $300 <laughs> jeans with all like all the filigree on the pockets. And you're like, yep. who would buy that crap? You know, where they're just trying to take their money back, you know, if the casino want, wins any. So it's like all those kind of people basically at this Stones show, you know, that are buying this to, you know, impress the Botox, I mean, wife. And because uh, they're all like Botox, you know, 60 year olds in tight jeans. It's that kind of crowd. Nobody right. is, uh, is tweeting. So I'm just walking around like an idiot. I don't even think we gave out any tickets. And uh, I walk back into the backstage area and I pass Charlie Watts, you know, who's walking by me in the hall and he doesn't break a stride, you know, and he doesn't say anything, but he just kind of cocks his head and he looks at me and he gives me this little like sly smile that he had, you know, which was like this all knowing like, yep, it's a circus, isn't it? Like, so he was of it, but not in it, you know, and that was the grace of the guy because he was like this gentleman who always dressed in Savile Row suits and just was put together and clean shaven all the time, you know, and he was like the drummer for the original kind of bad boys of rock and roll, their image anyway, you know, was one of this like crazy rock and roll guys. In reality, they're a lot more mellow, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) not that they didn't do wild stuff, but um, in their in their day, but. He was just this gentleman, you know, who was a big jazz aficionado and a brilliant drummer, like literally one of my all time favorite drummers, because he was just simple and in the groove. And I don't mean simple in a negative way. He just 
listen to honky tonk women when we finish taping and just hear that intro dude and it's like some of the baddest drumming ever so he passed away this week he won't be replaced that was the rolling stones in many ways you know he was he was the most talented musician in the band by a mile and uh not that you know keith richards isn't great at writing riffs and stuff but charlie watts was the sound they saved up their money to hire him when they were just starting out you know, and once they knew they got him on board, they knew they had something. So they lost that something. It's irreplaceable, but he brought joy to people's lives for 60 years making music. So what more of a legacy could you leave behind than that? Yeah. So Charlie Watts, rest easy, brother. So that's episode 25. You can catch me at noelcastler.com. I will be at the Rams Head September 16th, three or four Thursdays from today. And it's going to be a great time. So come on out. Noel Castler Comedy on Twitter. You can find links to tickets and all that. Jimmy, where's your website thing? Uh, JBKonair.com. Everything there, um, including my Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me there at JBKonair. So. Well, there you go. Thanks for listening, folks. Stay safe. I hope it's not another crazy week, but it's probably going to be. So we love you and uh, be well. Peace. <laughs>